0: So, there's been a lot of research that's been done to discover that the artist, uh, Vincent Van Gogh, had many relatives. Now, some of you have, may have seen this circulating online recently. I just thought I'd bring it to your attention since it's so important. Um, <clears throat> some of uh, Vincent, Van, y'all know who Vincent Van Gogh is, right? Artists? Okay. He had a bunch of relatives, and uh, here's some names of some of those relatives. You may know some of these. Maybe they're some of your friends on social media. His obnoxious brother. Y'all know Vincent van Gogh's obnoxious brother? Please go. That's uh, that's his name. Um, How about his dizzy aunt? Some of you, I think, know his his dizzy aunt. Her name's Vertigo. Uh, How about the brother who ate prunes? Gotta go. (laughs) You know. Um, well, there's the constipated uncle, can't go. Some of you maybe, anyway. The brother who worked at a convenience store, stop and go. <laughs> uh, anyway, how about the, um, the cousin in Illinois? Who do you think that is? Chicago! <laughs> hey, you guys are catching along here. This is good. This is, how about the ballroom dancing aunt? Everybody got a ballroom dancing aunt? Her name's Tango. Um. Thank you. Thank you. I I can use all the help I can get. Thank you for my little bouncy nephew, Pogo. Um. (laughs) All right, I'm done with this. Let's all all pack it up and travel in the country in a van with our Aunt Winnie Bago. Anyway, on to serious things. Colossians chapter (laughs) 1. It went over even worse there. I'm just saying, you know. Tough crowds, man. I tell you what. It's a good thing I didn't bring water for my sermon this morning. My sermon's not dry, but it definitely needs some up and go. This is some coffee. So anyway. I didn't get my cup this morning. I couldn't find my key. (laughs) So anyway. Yeah, behind. I'm behind. Yes, it's too late. We're in Colossians chapter one. And we've been looking at Colossians. We've been looking about what's going on here. Uh, As you know, the Apostle Paul, he is in prison. He's under house arrest. Uh, He's penned three letters why he was in house arrest. He's written Ephesians, he's written Colossians, and he's written Philemon. As you know, Philemon was a member of the Colossae church. He had a runaway slave named Onesimus, and Onesimus has ran into Paul... And Paul has led Onesimus to the Lord. So Onesimus is converted. He's a new believer. And so Paul says, man, you got to go back make things right with your brother. I'm going to give you a letter to take to him. I know Philemon. He's in the church at Colossae. And so you take this letter with you. Tychicus, y'all go take this letter. You and Onesimus, take this letter back. Epaphras, all right, has come. Old Pappy, you know Epaphras, he's come. He's from Colossae. He has come to Paul and said, hey, Here's what's going on. Colossian church is doing okay, but there's some concerns. I got some problems, man. There's some people creeping into the church that are bringing some false teaching. And Paul says, We need to address this. So he, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he pens these three letters. That's the context, that's the background of what's going on. And so Epaphras, uh, evidently while there, probably preaching Christ, ends up getting arrested too, and they're in jail. And so Tychicus. And Onesimus takes the letters back to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Colossae, and gives the letter to Philemon. That's what's going on. Paul starts off in this letter and he says, look, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the Lord um, and by the will of God. And he does that intentionally under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because it's to address the false authority that's coming into the church. Guys, do you know there's false authority that's coming at you every single day? And the bad thing is, it's in the church. Good Bible-believing Christians don't even realize sometimes that you don't rely on the authority of Scripture. You rely on your circumstances. You rely on your experiences. Experience is one of the biggest things church people rely on. And you cannot trust your experiences. The only thing I know for certain is, Thus saith the Lord. Because I can promise you, your emotions will deceive you. They will. We are fallen people. Our experiences. I knew a guy in a in a in a church man. He swore up and down that UFO landed in the field near his house. He was convinced. Now I couldn't tell him that you know he was he had you know was a bit of a drunkard. He didn't want to hear that. But his experience told him that that was a real UFO out in that field. And it didn't matter what we talked about because. That's what he was going to be. Guys, do you realize sometimes in the church people are basing their authority on their experience? Well, I know, Pastor. You weren't there. I was there. I saw it. I experienced it myself. I know what happened. I know what I felt. Feelings. This is the type of thing that was coming into the church at Colossae. And they were saying, hey, you, you got Jesus. That's great. You also need this mystical this supernatural type thing to go with that, Jesus plus. Oh, how about angels? Oh, you know, that, that, that we need some, some angel worship of such. Now, I'm, I'm painting broad strokes. It wasn't quite this clear-cut, guys. Obviously, work with me. But these were the types of teachings that were prevalent in Colossae in that surrounding area because they had come out of paganism. One of the biggest problems, as you see Paul addressing often through the New Testament in letters, is Judaism. And again, those Jews who were entrusted with the words of God uh, for so many years were now finding themselves having to basically lay down their works-oriented traditions and by faith, which was exactly God's intent in the beginning, trust in the revealed truth of who God is in His Word through the person of Jesus Christ. And yet some of them didn't want to do that. Some of them wanted to say, well, Jesus plus, well, that's fine. You, you received Jesus, great, but you still need to be circumcised. You still need to follow dietary things and, and don't do this and do this. The rules and regulations and the traditions. Guys, that's, that's works base. And Paul's saying that's not the authority base. And so you have these differing philosophies. And that was another one he's going to talk about later when we unpack these vain philosophies of man, man's wisdom, man trying to figure things out when what we really need is the authority of the Word of God by the will of God. So Paul came right out of the gate and he establishes that because he wants these false teachers to know that we're there and would get this letter to know that it's on the authority of God that he shares what he shares. And guys, if we want to stand firm in an ever-changing day, in an ever-changing church, we need to know, thus saith the Lord. We need to stand firm on the Word of God. We need doctrine. Doctrine matters. Emotional whims and, and feel-good speeches and stories that, that somehow make us feel closer to Jesus isn't what the church needs. The church needs to study, to show itself approved. We need to be diligent and rightly dividing the word of truth so we won't be ashamed in the day of His return. And so the word of God matters. Paul continued and wanted them to know that it's grace and peace from God that these things were, were being shared. In. And he began to give thanks. He and Timothy, by the way, Timothy is there with him. And he says, Timothy and I, we, we give thanks for you guys. We pray for you always. Because they recognized the gospel had been there and the gospel had changed their life. Many of them had come out of these Pagan backgrounds. Many of them had come out of the the Jewish temple and were no longer relying on their works and traditions. Many of them had walked away from the mysticism and the angel worship. And many of them had turned their back and repented of their sins and put their faith and trust in Christ. And so for those, he was thankful. And he was praying for them. And he was praying for their testimony. And we talked about how their faith, their love, and their hope was prevalent. And that was praiseworthy and that was worthy of Paul's prayer. And so that's what Paul had been praying. And so we pick this up today and we find ourselves here and we'll begin in verse 9. We talked about this, um, but they were praying. And so he begins in verse 9. He says, for this reason, what reason? All those things we just talked about. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom. The knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. In whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins father I pray that you will fill me with your Holy Spirit that I'll be a conduit of your grace that Lord your word will go out unhindered and that our ears would be open to hear what the Spirit says to the churches may you be honored and glorified in Jesus name amen so we see this here and we talked about last time the knowledge of his will and that's sort of where we left things off the last time we were in Colossians my pair my, my prayer as your pastor Paul's prayer as a pastor we talked about is that that you be filled with the knowledge of his will how we been doing guys you know I use the illustration of the cup and and when the cup was filled up and it was full nothing else could get in there right I mean it's full and, and, and so sometimes it's nice to be filled to overflowing especially when we're talking the knowledge of his will Paul says look I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will And how are we going to know the will of God? We're only going to know the will of God as it's revealed in the Word of God. So again, we're not looking for experiences. We're not looking for a heightened sense of awareness of God's presence. Jesus Himself said, an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Ooh. Are you holding out on the mystical? Are you waiting on some kind of Special fleece that you put out before God to determine His will? Guys, you've got the revealed will of God. He wants you to be full of that, and if we fill ourselves with the knowledge of His will, the decisions are a lot easier. I don't have to pray about whether or not, as a single person, I should date an unbeliever. When I was in youth ministry, you hear this over and over and over again, but I say it over and over and over again. And by the way, it's been written for thousands of years, but yet we in the church still seem to practice this, singles. Yeah, but he's really a nice guy. Well, uh, she goes to church with her grandma sometimes. That's not what I ask. God has made His will known. Either I trust that, believe that, obey that, or I doubt it, I don't believe him, and I disobey it. And yet, isn't that what we do? And that's a simple one. That's a, that's a real clear one, but we still have problems with it. We still have problems. Well, Pastor, it worked out in my case. This woman right here beside me, please don't call her out like that. This woman right here beside me, she wouldn't believe her. and I started dating her, she believe her now. In spite of your disobedience. She's a believer. Right? Guys, all Paul said, look, we need to be filled with the knowledge of His will. It's nice to pray about things. I understand that. But when God's made it black and white, I don't need to pray about it. Should I pray about dating this girl who's an unbeliever? Lord, do you want me to date this girl who's an unbeliever? Do not be unequally yoked. But Lord, I think I could convince her to come to small group. Should I date this unbeliever? Do not be what is a? Lord, I'm asking you again. Did you hear me? Isn't that how we do? And again, I make this kind of trite, but we do this with things in our life as if God's going to somehow change his mind on what he's written. But no, but you know what God will do? Sometimes he'll do this. Lord, please, let me date this girl. Fine, you're not listening to me. I'm going to let you do your thing. Thank you. God has answered my prayer. (laughs) Would you like to date me? (laughs) And guess what ends up happening usually in those cases? Ugh, pain, hurt, why did you let this happen to me, God? Why did you let this happen to me? I thought you loved me. And then we blame God. What? Man, we're some dumb sheep. I mean, let's just be honest. We're some dumb sheep, aren't we? We need to know the knowledge of His will. CFD Mole writes, Prayer makes two great requests. It asks for the discernment of God's will and then for the power to perform that will. Dude, I love that quote. That's an awesome quote. This is what we need to be praying, guys. Lord, help me know Your will. Help me discern the truth in this circumstance. Help me to discern the truth in this situation. Help me discern Your will in what I'm facing. God, help me to know if there's something already revealed in the truth of Scripture. Let me see it. Let me read it. Let me hide it in my heart so I won't sin against You. Lord, should I date this girl? Do not be unequally, ooh, thank you. Now give me the power to tell her I can't date her. Sorry, ma'am, you're lost. I don't know. Whatever the case. (laughs) Now you pray for that guy, right? (laughs) The point is, we need to be discerning of God's will. And then we need to ask for the ability to take a step of faith. Because isn't that what faith is? Faith is trust. I don't know how this is going to work out. It's not really what I want to do necessarily, but I, I recognize God has made clear, therefore, I need to get over myself. I need to die to self. I need to trust God's way, God's will, and yield to His direction. That's what the power of prayer is for. Obedience. Romans 12, 2, we talked about this last time as well. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How are you going to renew your mind, Christian? It ain't through Oprah, right? The renewing of your mind is going to take place when you're washing your thoughts through the Word of God. That's how we're cleansed. That's how we know the will of God. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. That's what I want to know. I want to know God's thoughts on this. And so His Word tells me that. The renewing of your mind. Why? Why? So that you may prove what the will of God is. You see, the proof's in the pudding. When my mind and my thoughts are transformed and my relationship with God is right, then that spills over into the will, the emotions. And that affects others, right? That also changes the way I do. This is my physiological change because, you know, I don't, pastor don't drink, chew, or go with girls that do. I used to. Well, there was only that one girl, and it was dip. But anyway, just kidding. Um, they're going to be asking you afterwards, Allison. and <laughs> it wouldn't, Allison, I promise. <laughs> but that changes us. It transforms us. I was transformed by the grace of God. I was renewed Because of the Spirit of God who took up residence in me. Guys, I've not arrived. I am continually struggling with, Lord, renew my mind. But I find it in the Word of God. I find life in Christ. And so therefore, I seek to yield my body as an instrument so that I might prove. The proof might be in the pudding. Therefore, the way that I live my life should be a reflection of transforming grace. Is your life, is your life currently, is it it a testimony of the transforming grace of God? Do do people who know you, uh, know you best, do they notice that there's a light of Christ within you, that there's a joy, that there's a peace, that there's a difference? Does the fruit of your tree scream Christian? So that you may prove, what the will of God is. You see, it's not enough to take it in if it doesn't work its way out. It must come in to change our hearts so that it might change our way of living. Transformation is what God's in the business of doing. God's not just in the business of justification. He's in the business of sanctification for the purpose of glorification. So right now, God's desire in your life, Christian, is to give you family resemblance... Now, you guys know I pick on my little girl here, my baby girl. Man, you want to know how long Varners have been here at the church? You just look at that girl right there, scribbling away next to her mama. Little Sarah, a.k.a. Jeremy Jr. We call her Jeremy Jr. because she resembles her daddy in so many ways. She's, she's, she makes us laugh in the house. Daddy makes us laugh sometimes. Sometimes she leaves me in stitches, man, rolling. I mean, it's just, she's a funny little gal. So, we, you know, she's a kind of a Jeremy Jr. She bears a family resemblance. But more importantly, guys, that's not her identity. Her identity as a believer in Jesus Christ, her identity is found in Christ. That's who she really is. She's really a daughter of the king because she's put her faith and trust in Christ. That's her true identity. By the way, when you're in the family, you begin to resemble the family, right? We've been adopted into the family of God. How do we look? Who are we resembling? Do we resemble the world more? Do we resemble, resemble the Lord more? What is the will of God? That we may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, God's desire for us, again, is to transform us so that we become more and more conformed to the image of His Son, so that we look more like His Son. He wants us to be complete. Paul says this throughout his writings. I'm writing these things. I'm telling you these things. I'm trying to encourage you with these things so that you might be complete. That your joy, Jesus said, might be full, might be complete. Guys, you want a complete life? You want wholeness? It's found in Christ Jesus and Him alone. It's found in the Word the transforming grace that He provides if we will allow the grace of God, the Word of God, to change the way we think, the way we live. So what's the purpose? Why, why's, what's Paul saying here? What's, what's, what's he saying here? Why? why are they asking this question notice verse 9 for this reason we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to ask verse 9 that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding why what why are they asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding think about that for a second why are they asking that what's the purpose when we know the will of God, we're able to walk in a manner worthy of God. I can't walk worthy, guys, if I don't know God's revealed will. I can't walk worthy in my own strength, period. But by God's grace, He's not only given me the justification at the cross of Calvary, which Paul has just talked about, their faith in Christ, but He's also given me the power and sanctification. So not just to be delivered, as He's going to talk about in a little bit, not just delivered from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin currently in my life and one day the very presence of sin. When we know the will of God, we're able to walk in a manner worthy of God. Our walk doesn't do anything to get us any closer to Jesus in the sense of salvation. That's paid in full. It's done. We don't earn brownie points with Jesus just because we live cleaner than the guy next to us. That's not what Paul's saying here. But what he is saying and what's lost in our generation, guys, was lost in the church today, and I'm going to say it real loud and clear, because it is slipping fast in solid Bible-believing churches almost to the point that the better the doctrine is in some churches, the looser the living. And this is sad because... The ones that actually have a handle on the oracles of God, the ones that are actually rightly dividing that word of truth who should know better, are using that as a cloak for vice. Why? And then we got over here on this side, those that are uh, taking that legalistic approach and they're painting the rules and it's an externalism, it's a conformism, it's a behaviorism. It says, look this way, act this way, do this way, you're approved. Which is not the gospel of Jesus Christ but yet they look cleaner, holier, more righteous. Wasn't that how it was in Jesus' day? Everybody thought the Pharisees had it together because, man, they had this fancy garb. but They they had the wealth. They were were the ones prospering. God must be on their side. God must be uh, in their corner. And yet Jesus said they were like whitewashed sepulchers. Oh, look fancy on the outside. Look nice on the outside but inside is dead man's bones. Guys, it's not in legalism. It's not in lawlessness. Our righteousness is in our Lord. And because He's worthy, we should walk in a manner worthy. Be ye holy, for I'm holy. That's reasonable, isn't it? That's why Paul said, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. This is your reasonable, reasonable act of worship. When you think about the mercies and grace of God, this isn't even unreasonable, what he's asking. So what does it mean to walk worthy? Many people are asking, what does it mean to walk worthy? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. You're getting really good at that. That's good, I like that. All right, so since you asked, let's answer it. I want us to do that by looking at scriptures. Think about some of these passages. I'll go through them fast. John, 3 John 1.6. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. How about this one? Thessalonians 2.12. Walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. Philippians 1.27. Conduct yourselves in a manner Worthy of the gospel of Christ. Are we seeing a pattern here? Ephesians 4.1 says, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. That's a sobering passage for us pastors in the room. But for Christians as a whole, guys, this is repeated throughout the New Testament. We're called to walk worthy. We are are asked to walk in such a way. John Piper, he writes in regards to this, he says, I don't think these texts mean that we merit God, we merit from God or the gospel. Let me say that again. I don't think these texts mean that we merit from God or the gospel or our call, but that they merit... From us. That is to, quote, walk worthy of the Lord means to walk in a way that the Lord deserves from us, not in a way that we deserve from the Lord. A clue is found in, in Colossians 1.10 which says walk worthy of the Lord to please Him. But Hebrews 11.6 says without faith it is impossible to please Him. So, the call to walk worthy of the Lord is at least a call to walk by faith. But faith looks away from itself to the worth and ability and grace and strength of another. So, walking worthy of the Lord would mean acting in a way that shows how worthy and able and gracious and strong the Lord is. John Piper, great quote. What's he saying? He's saying that, again, if we're going to walk, we need to walk by faith. God's worthy of that. But without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Again, our efforts don't earn us salvation, but the gift of salvation should spark within us a desire to follow faithfully, steadfastly. And so we should continue a walk of faith. A.B. Simpson said God has hidden every precious thing in such a way that it is a reward to the diligent, a prize to the earnest, and a disappointment to the slothful. The nut is hidden in its thorny case, the pearl is buried beneath the ocean's wave, the gold is imprisoned. In the rocky bosom of the mountain. The gem is found only after you crush the rock. So the truth and God must be earnestly sought. To him that knocks, it shall be opened. Guys, this walk of faith is not an easy walk, is it? God never said it would be. We're to be diligent. We're to persevere. We're supposed to be enduring. We're in a race and we need to run that race as one who runs to win. Paul is wanting to encourage those at Colossae. He gives us five things in regards to this. So I want us to look at this real fast in the text. Uh, Five things uh, when it comes to walking worthy. Notice what he says, continuing in the text, verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. He says these things. He says, number one, fully pleasing Him in every way. Verse 10. That's a walk worthy of the Lord. Guys, we have been delivered from darkness. We're going to see that here in just a second. You have moved from death to life when we really understand what salvation is and that our sins are forgiven and it's removed from the east to the west, no matter the deepest shame, the darkest secrets of your, of your life, those hidden things in the thoughts and in the closet of your soul. When you came to Jesus Christ and you surrendered your heart and your life and you called upon the only name under heaven by which to be saved, when you cried out to Jesus Christ, He delivered you from darkness to light. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When you called out in faith, in saving faith, with a repentant heart, God met you with the grace provided through the cross of Calvary. And it's at that foot of the cross where we find forgiveness. And it's because of that grace that we're able to walk in a manner worthy. It's because of that grace that we're able to fully please Him in every way. Because when I do the things that I ought to do, to God be the glory. It's because of Christ in me that I even did that. Jesus receives the glory. Even in the end when we receive our rewards, where do the crowns go? The foot of of, of Jesus. He alone is worthy. Worthy is the Lamb, right? Right? And so, yet these things, guys, if we're going to live a complete life, if we're going to be people who are blameless in the sense of of right in the sight of God, Jesus has provided that. It's it's done. And so because of that, that should encourage our hearts to live different. That should cause that outflow of our life to produce fruit that's evident to all. And so, bearing fruit in every good work. You want to know how to bear fruit in every good work? Go over to John 15. John, Jacob, Jingleheimer, Schmidt. All right. Let's see here. Look in John 15.1. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit... He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. By the way, sometimes we suffer in this life, sometimes we are in the midst of tribulation and trials, and perhaps sometimes that's simply a pruning. By the way, you can't, you don't prune, you don't prune a branch unless it's producing fruit, right? Because if it's a dead branch, you break it off. It's no good for anything but to throw in the fire, as we're going to read. But a branch that's actually doing something, that's producing something, that's the branch that typically gets dressed. Just saying. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me. Guys, if we already know that, that we're already clean, we already have the means... And it's in the Word. The sap that produces the fruit of the tree is already flowing through us through the Holy Spirit of God, by the Word of God. All we got to do is abide in that. Trust in that. Do it His way, not my way. Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and grow and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Because see, your desires have changed. By this my Father is glorified. How is His Father glorified? Keep reading. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. That's not legalism. That's love. That's love. Don't let anybody tell you just because you are expecting somebody who names the name of Christ to live worthy of their calling, to live worthy of their walk because of who they are in Christ, that that's not loving? You will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. What was Jesus' mantra over and over again? I hate to even use that term, but... Not my will be done, thy will be done. I'm here to do the Father's will. Guys, that's a lot of times, simply put, our needed answer. Obedience. Not I need to pray about it. When God's made it clear, not my will. I will. That's the prayer. Yeah, that's the prayer right there. That's the prayer. I'm going to pray. Lord, help me pray that prayer. When God calls me to do something that's already clear, thank you, Lord, for your revealed will because I walked away from that and it led me to this. True story. As a young believer, pleading with God for the salvation of someone so that that union could be together. And that wasn't God's will. And when I finally got over myself and recognized the truth of the revealed Scripture and was willing, because it was there and I knew it and I saw it, but I was trying to bargain with God. None of y'all ever do that. I'm the center in the room. Okay, that's fine. And when I finally came to a surrender and said, not my will, God, thy will. His will was done. Hallelujah. Obedience bearing fruit in every good work we can do good works and not bear fruit guys we can spin our wheels in doing i'm not asking you to do more i'm just asking you to do what god's called us to do i already have enough time hard time responding to that right i don't need more on my plate i simply need to respond to what he's told me to do and sometimes what he's already told me to do is what's being put on my plate and I just need to stop saying no to it. If We're going to walk worthy. We need to increase in the knowledge of God. Now notice this is different. He's, he, he's not asking... This isn't exactly the same uh, repeat as earlier. He says here, increasing in your knowledge of God. This is relational. Okay? This isn't just head knowledge, guys. This isn't knowing more about Jesus the actual idea here in this word is, is the idea of, of knowing Him in, in a manner of, of that close relationship. Being known and knowing. You know, maybe we ought to ask, I Many you've heard it said before, not whether or not do you know Jesus, but does Jesus know you? Guys, there should be an intimate relationship in our walk with the Lord. And so therefore we need that closeness. We need that. We need to increase... In knowing Him. Now that will come through His revealed truth. If I want to know about God, the only, thing we, the only way we know anything about God is through general revelation and special revelation. General revelation only brings us so far, and that's as far as it goes. But to really know Him intimately, we must get into His Word and hear His voice, see His thoughts, to know Him. But it's not enough to know about Him. And so we must cultivate that relationship. Just as with my wife on the day of our wedding when I said I do, and I did. I didn't just say, see you next week. I don't get together with her just once a week. Some some weeks it may feel that way, (laughs) but we spend time together. We grow together. And so in our relationship with Christ, how is that time with Him? Are you cultivating that? Are Are we... Spending the time that we need in His presence to know Him more, to talk with Him, to listen to Him as He makes Himself known. Our quiet times are in. Great passage of Scripture that actually, if you read, if you read yours, today was the first day of our new quiet time series. If you didn't get one yet, see Pastor Nate because we need to get you one. But it's perfect with what we're talking about here. I won't probably get to the passages, um, but in our James 1 passage today, talking about trials, temptations, these type things. It's like, man, this is exactly where we're at in Colossians. So the Spirit of God is speaking to the church. I encourage you to get those. So we also see, if we're going to walk worthy, we need to be strengthened. Verse 11, we're strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. And and this this is really cool because... Notice what he says in verse 11. Let me go back over here. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy. You want to know why God is empowering you in the midst of whatever you're facing? The Colossians are facing some false teachers coming in. They're going to suffer some stuff. They're going to to have to stand firm. They're going to face some testing, some trials. Paul knows this. He's praying for them. He's thankful for their faith in Christ. He's thankful for their love. He's thankful for their hope. But he also wants them to walk worthy. And he wants them to be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, God's power. Guys, I can't do this in my own strength. You cannot do what you're doing in your own strength. But God wants to empower you for all patience. Now let me tell you about this word patience. And this does get into our morning quiet time. Um, Anybody, Nate, do you have your quiet time with you by chance? On you handy? No, No, don't worry about it. Anybody else I guess in here has one handy? That's okay. Go back and look at today's in the commentary section, and it gives us a a better understanding of the word patience. Here's the idea. It's the idea that you abide under. You don't ask for a way to escape. Did you hear me on that one? You abide under long-suffering, with joy, you abide under. You don't look for the way to escape. Oh Lord, please let me out of this situation. God, just you, just get me out of His situation. I will serve you. I'll do this. I'll do. We're not looking for the way to escape. We be still and know that He's God. You know why that circumstance. You know why that trial's there. You know why that suffering's there. You know why it's there. It's that we might look more like His Son. Suffering is the greatest teacher to conform us to the image of Christ. And I get it, guys. I like my comfort. I stand here before you. I'm the first one oftentimes to lift up that prayer, get me out of this, Lord. I don't like this financial burden. I don't like this problem that's hitting my family. I don't like this church member who's going wayward. I don't like this. You know, A lot of times, whatever the prayer is, I needed this. I can be a very impatient person, just being real. And God's teaching me, abide under it. My grace is sufficient. Trust me, be long suffering, and do it with joy. Now, I like to consider myself a pretty joyful guy. I don't think I'm too grumbly. Now, I can be, I can get short fused. That's my Papa Jones coming out in me. Some of you have experienced that, the wrath of Jeremy. It's actually the wrath of Jones. Okay, my apologies. It uh, sometimes comes out, you know. But for the most part, I I like to consider myself a joyful guy. Why? Because if there is any joy that comes through in my life, (laughs) it's because of the transforming grace of God. That's the only reason. Because yeah, I might be a little grumbly at first, but I usually soak it in and let it sink in and I start thinking, man, God, you were way long-suffering with me. Man, you were way patient with this bonehead. Man, I did some really bad stuff. I mean, some terrible stuff. And I'm bothered with this person because of that or this circumstance because of this? Oh, help me, Lord. Give me your might according your glorious power that enabled him to suffer on a cross for sins he did not commit to take shame that was on my account your account and he took it to a cross and hung openly for all to see he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf He took that upon Himself. Guys, that's patience and and, and, long-suffering that I and you, we don't understand. And so we need to increase in our knowledge of God. And so whatever circumstance you're facing today, whatever burden is heavy, whatever situation is going on, can I encourage you with this last thought? Abide under it. be long-suffering. And God, may we do it with joy. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We are not worthy, as we'll see as we get through the rest of these verses, that it's you who qualifies. Father, you sent your Son to die on a cross for our sin, and it's only through Him that we can even be qualified. Qualified to enter your presence, Uh, qualified to be a recipient of the grace that not only justifies us, but sanctifies us and will one day glorify us. But it's because of that qualifying, it's because of that grace that you ask us to walk worthy. Lord, help us to lay aside the sins that are besetting us, the things that trip us. Help us to be patient in the midst of trials, tribulations, suffering, circumstances, whatever we face today. And Lord, may we do it not in our strength. May we do it by your might. May we increase in that knowledge of knowing you. And Lord, let us do it with joy. May the fruit of the tree be much that we will continue to serve you faithfully, joyfully, steadfastly. And that others might see Christ in us. I thank you, Lord, for this time. I thank you for the the time to follow as we um, nominate uh, godly men who might serve this local church. Lord, you call and qualify those who might serve. And Lord, you've told us, you've already revealed your will in this situation by writing it in the Scriptures. May we simply match the man with the scripture help us to see with eyes that only you give to see and may we faithfully, steadfastly joyfully go from here today we give you the praise Lord as we lift the name above every name on high the name of Jesus Christ our Lord for his sake we pray Amen